Welcome to the Five Good Ideas podcast, where we rebroadcast some of the best sessions of Maytree's popular program. My name is Elizabeth McIsaac, president of Maytree. We are a Toronto-based organization committed to exploring solutions to poverty in Canada using a human rights-based approach. For each session of Five Good Ideas, we invite experts from the nonprofit or corporate sector to share five practical ideas on a key management issue facing nonprofit organizations today. In this session, originally recorded on November 25th, 2021, we asked Rosemarie Powell to share five good ideas about the lessons she has learned as the leader of a community labor coalition charged with implementing community benefits agreements. Now, while many of you are dialing in from across Canada, I'm speaking to you from Toronto. I'd like to begin today's session by acknowledging the land where we live and work and recognizing our responsibilities and relationships where we are. As we are meeting and connecting virtually today, I encourage you to acknowledge the place you occupy. I acknowledge that I am and Maytree is on the traditional territory of many nations, including the Mississaugas of the Credit, the Anishinaabek, the Chippewa, the Haudenosaunee, and the Wendat peoples, and is now home to many diverse First Nations, Inuit, and Métis peoples. We also acknowledge that Toronto is covered by Treaty 13 with the Mississaugas of the Credit. This territory is covered by the Dish with One Spoon Wampum Belt Covenant, an agreement between the Anishinaabek and Haudenosaunee allied nations to peaceably share and care for the lands around the Great Lakes. More and more communities are demanding that the workforce that is building public infrastructure better reflect the demographics of the local community and that the benefits of economic development be shared more equitably. At the same time, construction unions recognize community benefits as an opportunity to build on their work for increased diversity and inclusion in their workforce. If the goals and values are shared, how can the promise of community benefits be fulfilled? In today's Five Good Ideas session, Rosemary Powell, Executive Director of the Toronto Community Benefits Network, will share the lessons she has learned as the leader of a community labour coalition charged with implementing community benefits agreements. She has worked on some of the city's largest public infrastructure projects, including the Eglinton Crosstown LRT, the Finch West LRT, Casino Woodbine, and the West Park Community Health Centre. Rosemary is a passionate advocate for social, economic, and environmental justice. She has led for over 20 years from the grassroots up, managing and developing several innovative and impactful community programs and services to support access to labor market and the economy for historically disadvantaged communities and equity-deserving groups. For Rosemary's full bio, plus her ideas and resources, please download the handout in the chat. It is now my pleasure to welcome Rosemary. Rosemary? Over to you. Thank you. Hi, Elizabeth. Hi, everyone. I am so pleased to be here today. And I want to thank the Matri Foundation for this wonderful opportunity to share my experience over the last five years working with labor to advance community benefits movement. You know, Matri is an early champion for community benefits with several of their staff having participated in the early foundation of the TCBN. I think about Alejandra Bravo. I think about Effie, who was on our board, one of our first founding board members. And let's get started with my five good ideas that I have prepared for you today. As an introduction, over the past five decades, the city of Toronto has witnessed an extraordinary amount of capital reinvestment 
that has led to residential neighborhood transformation and gentrification of many downtown and inner suburban communities. Billions of dollars are being spent by all levels of government on building infrastructure and investment in infrastructure is a key economic driver as we seek to recover from COVID-19. Meanwhile, inequality has risen. Housing has become unaffordable for many families. Living costs like childcare have increased while community and green spaces have diminished. Recent data has shown how increasing income inequality in the city has resulted in increased spatial and income polarization of the visible minority and white populations in the city of Toronto. We know that 50% of the population of Toronto is now racialized, but yet in the construction industry, an industry report from the Ontario Construction Secretariat shows that only 17% of the workforce is racialized. And so there's a lot of opportunity for uh, change here. Incorporated in 2014, the Toronto Community Benefits Network is the only not-for-profit organization in the City of Toronto with a mandate to negotiate community benefits agreements for major infrastructure projects and urban development projects, and to track, monitor, and support their implementation. Community Benefits in Toronto builds on a well-established history of similar initiatives that have taken place in other locations in Canada and beyond, including over 300 impact benefits agreements that have been privately negotiated between Indigenous communities and developers stemming from the Government of Canada's duty to consult and where appropriate, accommodate Indigenous groups when it considers conduct that might adversely impact potential or established Aboriginal or treaty rights. Now, from the exploitation of its land to the exploitation of its people through slavery since the foundation of this nation, the history of the labor movement in Canada and North America needs to be analyzed within the context of systemic and anti-Black racism. This became evident to the public in 2020 when nooses were found on several unionized construction sites, putting Black people on notice that they are not welcome on the job site and that their safety is in question. Now, given the long history of struggle for fair wages, worker rights and dignity, unions have a social and moral responsibility to stand with the community to demand better inclusion of black, indigenous and racialized peoples in the workforce that builds public infrastructure. My session will focus on good practices and lessons learned as our Community Labor Coalition rolled up our sleeves to implement the community benefits agreements that we negotiated into several major public infrastructure projects, including the Eglinton Crosstown LRT, the Finch West LRT, Casino Woodbine, and the West Park Healthcare Center. So my first of the five good ideas that I have for you today is number one, to co-create the foundation for success. Building on close to a decade of community benefits organizing in local neighborhoods, a steering committee comprised of community and labor activists formed the TCBN. This was to establish itself as a legal entity with standing to sign community benefits agreements. The group organized through the fall of 2012, launched the organization in January 2013, 
developed its foundation document, then incorporated as a not-for-profit organization. I joined TCBN in 2016, and my first tasks were to finalize the negotiations for the community benefits framework with Metrolinx and for the Eglinton Crosstown, and to embark on a strategic planning process where we consulted over 100 people from a cross-section of stakeholders to determine the path forward over the next five years. With leadership at the time from the Toronto and York Region Labor Council and affiliated community labor groups, such as the Labor Community Services, Labor Education Center, the Good Jobs for All Coalition, as well as several construction unions on our board of directors, like the Carpenters Union Local 27, IBEW Local 353, Layuna 506, Layuna 183, the Insulators Local 95, Sheet Metal Workers Local 30, and just recently the United Association Local 46 that joined the organization. In just seven years, the TCBN has built a community benefits movement with over 120 member organizations and groups, over 10,000 supporters, and implemented workforce development initiatives that have supported over 1,000 candidates. This is the kind of coalition that we've been able to build in direct collaboration with our union allies. And so we can't just stand on this foundation. We need to cultivate a coalition of champions and allies. And this is going to be my second good idea for you. More than anything, I have personally appreciated the allyship of our brothers and sisters in the labor movement. And at their core, labor unions are organized by workers to fight for employee rights and protections. Structurally, labor unions operate like a democracy. They have local chapters, each of which obtains a charter from the national level organization, and they're organized within specific industries. There are different approaches to engage with labor, and it's not brain surgery. I mean, they are our teachers, our nurses, our police officers, our firefighters, our first responders, our sisters, our brothers, even our parents. We interact with them in our daily lives, and they are deeply entrenched in our community. This is where we can find them. One of our biggest champions in the labor movement was John Cartwright, and he became TCBN's first labor co-chair. He was the former president of the Toronto and New York Region Labor Council, representing over 200,000 union members. And as the labor council president of the time, John worked with affiliated unions to craft an aggressive equity agenda for Toronto's labor movement. And under his leadership, the council had the most diverse leadership of any central labor body in the country. This is the kind of principled approach that he also brought to the TCBN. And so just building on that foundation that the TCBN had established as a community labor coalition, we felt it was really important that we created structural systems internally within our organization to further that strong relationship. And so we have done a number of in initiatives since the last uh, several years, but there are two of them specifically that I will speak to you about. The first one is secondment and the other is mentorship. Secondment. TCBN has utilized secondments as a means to deepen our understanding and to expand our relationship with the unionized construction sector. 
To date, we've entered into such agreements with IBEW Local 353, the UA Local 46, the Labor Education Center, the Afro-Canadian Contractors Association. And a secondment is really a temporary move of an employee from one of our partnering agencies or unions to work with the TCBN to take on a special project. The employee maintains his or her position in the home organization and is paid by the home organization to do the work of the TCBN. Depending on the agreement and funding, TCBN or the partner organization will cover the salary. We found secondments to be great in terms of a career development move to be able to gain knowledge and experience of the community benefits movement, as well as to help strengthen the capacity in the host organization to advance the community benefits movement within their own places and spaces. Secondments allowed us to build the trusting relationship that we needed with our members and partners, as well as to develop our competencies internally within the TCBN and our member organizations as well, who have valued the kind of relationships and connections that the TCBN has been able to facilitate for our members. The second initiative that we've undertaken and that we're very, very proud of is our mentoring program. So TCBN created the Next Gen Builders Mentoring Program to address the need for welcome, inclusion, and retention in the union and on the job site. The program initially started as a means to support Black youth who experience an especially tough time navigating the construction apprenticeship pathways due to the lack of personal networks, power imbalance on the job site, and other issues related to systemic racism. The program assists those youth who are ready to pursue a career in the construction industry to obtain strategic guidance from peer mentors and mentors from our partnering unions. It offers mentees the practical advice, moral support, and guidance of an experienced construction apprentice, journey person, or professional as they navigate the challenges of the apprenticeship system or the construction industry in general, and a workplace culture that is not always welcoming. The program offers a structured training program for both mentees and mentors prior to them being matched. And to date, we have had over 300 mentees who participated in the Next Gen Builders Mentoring Program and who were placed on TCBN's Ready to Hire list and who were sponsored by our unions and employer partners. This is the kind of collaboration that is really essential when we talk about community labor relationships, because at the end of the day, unions control the work environment when a new worker comes in and we want to make sure that a system that supports their welcome and their integration is in place. So the third good idea that I have for you is that we need to build and preserve trust while working through challenges and there are many. So while community benefits requirements in government policy have signaled that targeted hiring of equity seeking groups must occur on major infrastructure projects, a reliable pathway for these candidates must be created to integrate within the complex environment of the unionized construction industry in Ontario and the GTA. Further complicating the environment, unions are not included in community benefits agreements, 
although they have a major role, like I just explained earlier, in who gets hired and who becomes a registered apprentice. The most recent Auditor General report that focused on improving the apprenticeship system in Ontario made recommendations that would tweak problematic components of the existing system, but it never touched on how well the systems of major stakeholders work together. So contractors, subcontractors, unions, construction pre-apprenticeship providers, now the TCBN in collaboration with our community labor and industry partners are working hand in hand to address some of these concerns. Together we are stronger and in collaboration, we work better instead of working in silos. Unfortunately, what we found is that in a funding environment with scarce resources, it can cause friction between organizations who are doing similar work and so it's really important to respect the different roles that we each play and identify how we can assist each other. I offer to you the Eglinton Crosstown LRT experience, which is a model that we've been working on since day one of the TCBN. It is the first large scale project that we have a formal community benefits agreement with. And it's a good example of how community labor and industry can collaborate well together to achieve common goals. As of March 2021, Crosslinks Transit Solutions, the general contractor of the project to Metrolinks, they've achieved over 400 community benefits placements, including 200 apprentices and journey persons, and over 200 professional administrative and technical workers. And they've purchased through social procurement over $800,000 in goods and services from minority-owned companies and social enterprises, and another $8 million from local businesses as well. These achievements were made possible in large part because some unions, in collaboration with their employers, took steps to adjust their traditional recruitment, hiring, and procurement practices to incorporate more inclusive approaches to attract, employ, and retain individuals hired through community benefits. So my fourth good idea for you is to maintain a clear definition of success and verify outcomes, very important. Finding from the TCBN's career track in construction research and pilots where we were funded by the government of Ontario to do throughout last year, suggests that there is an opportunity in Ontario for community benefits agreements to achieve their social goals of job creation for diverse and underrepresented groups while supporting the construction sector in addressing labor supply challenges. Construction unions with a focus on equity and diversity in the trades have mainly focused their efforts on increasing the participation of women and indigenous workers, which is great. You know, while these efforts are starting to show progress, they recognize, though, that there is a need to further expand their efforts to include more Black and racialized communities with a focus on women, youth, and newcomers residing in historically disadvantaged neighborhoods. Coupled with this commitment by our labor partners, it is essential that there is a robust tracking, monitoring, and evaluation system that is put in place. 
Unfortunately, we have experienced significant reluctance from the industry, including our labor allies, in wanting to do so. And we know that there are employers who've always resisted compliance measures, going back since the first building codes were adopted, the first fair wage policies, the first safety laws and standards for trade qualifications. It is because of this reality that enforcement measures are necessary. The gradual implementation of the internal responsibility system for construction health and safety was achieved over many years with a culture shift that drew from the best practices combined with penalties applied to those who were slow or resistant to embracing this vital shared responsibility. And this is why it's really important that we embrace the community benefits movement and the policies and strategies that we're developing together in full collaboration with our union and industry allies to be able to create the change that we want to see. My fifth good idea for you is to recognize and celebrate milestones and progress. Now, the passing of the Provincial Infrastructure for Jobs and Prosperity Act and Metrolink signing the framework was celebrated as an early win for the TCBN. However, we do recognize the deep systems work that we are undertaking will mean a long battle ahead. This work takes continued resident engagement, community benefits campaigning, outreach and recruitment for the jobs and opportunities, et cetera. To celebrate the tireless volunteers from our membership who are leading the work in their local communities, we created the annual Changemakers Award, which is presented to the individual or group who were catalysts in achieving the victories for the community during the previous fiscal year. And we hand these out at our annual general meeting. And when we do this, it's just a real sense of pride and reinforces our commitment to the movement. In 2018, we recognized the first cohort of mentors who helped to launch the Next Gen Builders Mentoring Program. In 2019, we recognized and celebrated the group who mounted a grassroots campaign and who deputed at City Hall to pass the city's community benefits framework. In 2020, we recognized and celebrated the, local, the social enterprises who helped to promote the inclusive recovery campaign nationally. And that was our Changemakers Awards. Now, our most recent significant program that we've implemented yet is the Building Diversity Awards and Recognition Program. We implemented this in 2020, and we had our first celebration or recognition event in May 2021 to recognize the exemplary contractors, unions, and client owners, as well as industry champions who are leading in diversity, equity, and inclusion. Award recipients are recognized for one or more steps that they are taking to correspond to the global diversity and inclusion benchmarks, standards for organizations around the world, as adapted by Build Force Canada for the construction industry. The awards receive the support of the Ontario General Contractors Association, along with construction industry leaders such as Ellis Don, Acon, and Tridel, and many other industry leaders, and especially our union allies. So those are my five good ideas for you. I'm looking forward to discussing more. 
But more and more, the community is demanding that the workforce building public infrastructure better reflect the demographic of the local community and that the benefits of economic development be shared more equitably. Construction unions recognize that community benefits are an opportunity to build on their efforts to increase diversity, equity, and inclusion in their workforce. There is an alignment of values and goals here and developing strong collaboration between community and labor will help to ensure the promise of community benefits is fulfilled. That's my presentation for you and I'm looking to having a more deeper conversation. That's terrific, Rosemary. Thank you so much. There was a lot in there. It was more than five good ideas. I'd like to begin by asking a couple of questions. Before we started, I looked at the RSVP list to see who was going to be on the call. And we have a real mix of labor and community, and not just in Toronto, it's from across the country. So we have, I would imagine, some communities or labor groups that maybe aren't here yet, are looking to learn. And so I wonder if you could start by sharing what you've seen as good practices of leadership coming from unions that enabled that kind of relationship. What is the kind of leadership qualities that actually helped build that trust that you talked about and build that sort of set of shared values that's so necessary? That's a really good question. We have seen a ton of good practices that are happening within unions to support the community benefits movement. And our Building Diversity Awards and Recognition Program really helped us this year to help highlight some of those good practices. We saw organizational leadership, individual leadership within the unions that are really exemplary. And I want to call out Layuna Local 506 as one of those unions who really has stood up to the challenge um, of the community benefits framework that we negotiated with Metrolinx and who collaborated with Crosslinks Transit Solutions, the general contractor, to achieve early outcomes. And they have a long-standing history of firsts in best practice and accomplishments with respect to diversity, equity, and inclusion. Mamadou Ba, for example, was appointed as a business representative for Local 506 in 2002, and he became the first Black business representative in Canada uh, within the unions, and oh, that's an incredible achievement. And so uh, collaborating with their counterpart, Layuna Local 183, and the Layuna African-American Canadian Caucus, we were able to also help initiate the Next Gen Builders mentoring program for Black youth. On our board of directors, Layuna had Marissa Preston, who was one of our first board members. And we now have Jason Otti from Layuna 183 that is on our board. We, TCBA is a community labor coalition with 50-50% representation on our board of community and labor. And so this was a really good, Layuna is definitely outstanding in some of the things that it has implemented to ensure more you know, that we're able to hire from the local communities. And they've changed some of their practices to train and to develop workers from the local communities. In terms of individual leadership within the unions, I want to call out Chris Campbell. Chris Campbell is now our TCBN board chair, and he's from the Carpenters Local 27. Early in 2020, just before we were really serious about the pandemic, the Carpenters hosted the first ever open house for service providers, and they brought community and you know other unions under their roof 
um, to basically explain to the community how they can enter into a construction trade with um, the Carpenters Union. And a lot of this was led and supported by Chris Campbell and other leaders within the Carpenters Union, like Mike York, I want to call him out too. They were able to hire over 200 apprentices from the TCBN. And, you know, in the middle of a pandemic, you know, their efforts have just been absolutely extraordinary and exemplary. And we have union members, individuals like Kimoy Francis, who also was one of the recipients of the Building Diversity Awards, who was one of our master mentors in Next Gen Builders. She is from Layuni, the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local 353. So yeah, this is the kind of leadership and good practices that we want to celebrate. So lots in there, lots of individuals. And I think it's important to recognize that a lot of individuals make this stuff happen. But I think structurally, when you embed them on the board and there's shared ownership of the project, that gets really important. Absolutely. We have a great question from the audience. In your community agreements with the Indigenous communities, how did you reflect on the economic reconciliation and connect this with TRC recommendations, uh, UNDRIP, MMIW? How did all of that come together? Uh, yeah, so just to be clear, TCBN had no involvement in the impact benefits agreements that were negotiated between the Aboriginal communities, the Indigenous communities, and the different developers. What we do, what we have done is we have recognized that this is a practice that is a good practice that has been led by the Indigenous communities in Canada. And we don't want to say that this is TCBN's work is the only and the best way of doing um, business. But we've recognized um, their work and we know that there's a number of unions who are members of the TCBN who have participated or provided, changed their practices to welcome and support Indigenous workers as a result of these impact benefits agreements. There is an incredible leadership and good practices within our Indigenous communities that we need to celebrate and recognize and give credence to. Another question. Uh, There's often a misconception that unions are not part of the community. Rather, they work to advance only matters of interest to the unions and its members. What are your thoughts around dispelling this myth and what have you learned in the process of the last 10 years or eight years? Yeah, unions are our community. And in fact, unions have a long history of fighting for worker rights and for increased participation of those who have been the most marginalized in the um, social and economic fabric of our society. When we think about the minimum wage fight, the unions were directly behind this because they recognize that as they fight for their own members to gain a decent living, they need to also make sure that they're doing that in the community as well, because they're a part of the community. They're embedded. Like I said earlier, they are our first responders. They are our healthcare workers. They are our community. And so we need to collaborate and build together because that's the only way um, that we'll be able to see the kind of changes that we want to see. Unions, they have events, they have campaigns, they caucus together, and there are different ways that we can really connect um, with our union brothers and sisters. Identify the local union in your community, in your local neighborhood, and reach out to them. You will see that it's not as challenging as you would think. They do have a commitment to reflecting the needs and the issues within their local communities. 
here's one I'm going to read is from Brian Smith because he's calling out to personally, I think. Hi, Rosemary. Awesome <laughs> presentation and amazing highlights. How does TCBN plan to utilize the contracting resources services of ACCA? And maybe you could spell out ACCA for us. ACCA, the Afro-Canadian Contractors Association. Within the construction industry, there is multi-layered subcontracting that happened. The Eglinton Crossdown project alone was an $8.5 billion project. No small contractor is going to be able to compete for that. So within a community benefits agreement, what we do is we make the demand to carve out commitments by the general contractor for minority-owned companies, uh, social enterprises, and local businesses, so they too uh, can bid competitively for those contracts. And like I said, on the Eglinton Crossdown, uh, we've seen uh, some good examples of this happening, but there absolutely needs to be more. It needs to be more substantial, and uh, we're pressing for that in every single community benefits agreement that we negotiate that being said, it's important that the Black contractor community, you know, that they organize and come together and build capacity to be able to compete for these opportunities. And this is how TCBN is collaborating with the ACA. Not only that, when we have owners of these uh, small businesses develop capacity, and they're then able to basically contribute back into their community and hire from the demographics that we're targeting for these opportunities. So it's really important that these major construction projects create space for the, the small contractor, like those who are members of the Afro-Canadian Contractors Association. Great. Thank you. TCBN is a really deep collaboration between unions and community. I wonder if you could comment a little bit, just to push this out a little bit more, but what kind of support can government, employers, community colleges, workforce development agencies, there, there's other stakeholders at play, and what can they be doing to advance the goals of community benefits? This is really a collective process, and I think we need to agree as a society that change is needed. We cannot have an increasingly diverse populace that continues to be excluded from the social and economic opportunities in our society. So we have to agree as a society that change is needed. Once we come to that kind of agreement, we need to set some basic targets for where do we want to go? What is the vision that we want to see? And everybody needs to look internally within their structures and within their systems, what it is that they need to change in order to reach those goals. For government, we need to see top-down policies that really reflect our shared values. We want to see more Black and racialized peoples and Indigenous peoples integrated in our economy. And so therefore, when we're uh, procuring for goods and services where we're using our taxpayer dollars, especially in construction, we need to make sure that there are targets that are carved out to be able to achieve this. And within those government policies, we need to see that the regulations and the implementation processes are being developed and that government is giving a blueprint or a guideline to the industry for how they need to incorporate those policies. I'm really proud of the city of Toronto right now. For example, they've established a community benefits framework, and they're now in the process of working through what that implementation strategy is going to look like. I'm very proud of the government of Canada, who in their $12 billion commitment to transit infrastructure 
in uh, Toronto for the Ontario line and the extension of the Eglinton Crosstown East and West, they have directed that community benefits must be a part of the deal. And so now it's up to the government of Ontario, who has this example of community benefits on with Metrolinx, to be able to implement that and make sure that we get a strong commitment. And so while we do that, then we need to make sure that all the stakeholders are at the table. We need to make sure that our educational institutions, the funders, are lined up. So proud of the Atkinson Foundation, Metcalf United Way, who has supported TCBN from day one and continue to do year over year because this work takes intentional effort. It takes resourcing. Our community organizations, workforce development um, partners like Building Up and Labor Education Center, Out of the Box, Hammerheads, they're all doing work to make sure that they're training and developing the next generation of workers and connecting them into the community benefits pathway. Educational institutions and even Maitri, what you're doing today is building the knowledge in our community about the issues and and about what needs to be done and making sure that this way of doing business becomes uh, the norm and the way of doing business now into the future. We can't go back. This is a moment right now that all stakeholders really need to step up and figure out what it is that they need to do within their own systems, within their places, their local neighborhoods to really contribute into this growing movement. So that was actually a really great segue into the next question, because there's learning that has happened here. We need to see it go elsewhere and grow and develop. And so the next question was, we're looking at piloting social procurement in construction projects in our community. So this sounds like a community that's getting started. Are you able to share resources after this presentation, or maybe you can mention some now, that provide examples for what commitments and targets are set in contracts, RFPs? And now I'm paraphrasing, but let's not reinvent the wheel. You guys have done a lot of great work. Are you able to share these learnings out? Absolutely. In TCBN's own strategic plan, one of our four objectives is to share knowledge and to develop the platform for community benefits in neighborhoods across the city, across our province, across our country. And we have been very intentional in sharing as much as we possibly can about our operations. We try to be as transparent as possible. Do take a look at our annual report and our foundation documents are there. Our website, communitybenefits.ca, we try to put up as much information as we possibly can. But also, you can invite us at any time to come out to your group to make a presentation. And we're also developing research as well. We just completed one for the provincial government that we're about to finalize and to disseminate to all of our supporters out there and to make it available for the public to be able to replicate. We're in the process of developing really strong tracking, monitoring, and evaluation processes that we would be proud to share with anyone just to to see what kind of systems and processes need to be in place in order to recruit, assess, intake, track, and monitor the success of apprentices along the journey. So please reach out. We are very open to partnerships and collaborations. We have partnered in helping a number of community uh, benefits coalitions get themselves established. It is a part of our work, and this is how um, we're going to grow the movement. TCBN can't do it alone. (laughs) We need everyone stepping to the plate. 
It's like you're reading the next question when you're answering the previous question. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the next question, the operative words are capacity, skills, um, 100% in agreement. However, there's a lot of people out there like us who, who need specific capital resources to build competitive capacities. Yeah. What's the TCBN plan to address the needs and concerns at the negotiating table? How are you building up? Now, sharing learning, I think, is a big part of that. But are there other things that you're planning to do to build capacity there? Well, um, you know, one of the, the pushback that we always get is that community benefits might cause additional administrative or financial burden on the industry. But we really don't think that that is the case. We haven't seen it. We haven't seen any evidence um, of it. But it is true that as we try to make real systemic changes, that it takes resources. This is resources that needs to be financed, right? And we think that the projects that we're negotiating a community benefits agreement for needs to set aside resources to really be able to support all the stakeholders needed um, to implement the uh, commitments that are outlined in the community benefits agreement. We think that government is already spending on apprenticeship programs and services and employment programs and services. There is an opportunity to coordinate that spending to make sure that that spending is aligned with our goals and objectives around community benefits, for example. And so, yes, we continue to push and to make the demand for more resources to be able to make the systemic changes that need to happen. But we really do feel strongly that once all of this work and effort is done, it will become the way of doing business and intensive resourcing will no longer be needed down the line because again, it's the way of doing business. And by the way, in doing so, we're also saving because it means that we are uplifting so many people uh, who have been excluded from the economy out of poverty. And so what is it that they will do when they're getting and earning a living? Well, they're going to contribute back into the economy. They're going to contribute back into building up their neighborhoods and the unemployment and uh, social welfare contributions will be reduced as a result. So there's lots of co-benefits that we get when we invest in this way. It's smart investing, really. The next question from Sharon, and this is, I think it's a good reminder that none of this work happens in a vacuum. Recently, I heard that the city of Toronto wants to take an approach that would see community benefit agreements overseen by the city. To the best of your knowledge, is this true? And do you want to comment on the need to keep community benefit agreements as a labor community initiative or what would change? I would say it's important that the city builds their capacity to be able to implement the community benefits framework institutionally within the city. There are so many different city departments. There is procurement that happens outside of infrastructure that also needs to, to use a, a social procurement approach as well. And so the city really needs to develop its internal capacity to do this. And I think it's a good thing that they have carved out financial resources to hire more staff to do this work. But this cannot be done in exclusion of the community. The community also needs resources to be able to do this work. The city does not know how to do this work. The city has not been doing this work for many, many years now. And it's not um, practical to build up the kind of infrastructure internally 
um, that is needed when you already have community partners who are doing this work every day. Our community sector is doing an incredible job connecting into their local communities and the, the city bureaucracy simply cannot do that. And they need the support and the allyship and the partnership with community and labor to be able to do that. The city is not the ones who control the working conditions of the worker when they get onto the job site. It's the unions and the employers. And so we need the unions and the employers in the mix as well. So it's not a one man kind of job. We need all hands on deck and the financial resources and capacity needs to be built up equally in all of these, with all these stakeholders to be able to contribute and to lead in the areas that they're most effective in. The last question I'm going to ask you, if you were to imagine what next for TCBN, where would you take TCBN next? What's the next big step? I'm going to say that TCBN is a proud community labor coalition. We are a membership-based organization. We have 120 members organizations and groups and labor groups who are doing incredible work related to community benefits in their own neighborhoods and in their places and spaces. And they are building together, we are building a powerful community benefits movement. And so I want to reach out to each and every single one of them to find out what it is that they want to do next. Our five-year strategic plan comes to an end at um, uh, December 31st, um, 2021. And so where do we go next? We're going to be embarking on a strategic planning process. We have hired our good friend and consultant, Joe Mehevic, who is going to help to lead us in that process with our board of directors to see where we go next over the next five years. But I definitely have some really great ideas that I'm going to bring to the table as well, but I want to hear from everyone. And we're going to come together on a shared vision that we're going to be excited, all of us, um, to be able to move forward with. So I don't know if that answers the question, but I don't want to answer the question right now. I think it answers the question insofar as that there's big uh, vision and a desire to go further and deeper. Congratulations, Rosemary. I listened to the story of TCB and I certainly knew the story beforehand, but listening to it just brings it to a whole nother level when I hear you talk about it. It's incredible work that you've achieved and it's not you alone. I know that. And I know that was going to be the next thing you were going to say. Uh, <laughs> there's so many people, so many hands that have been part of this, but you have really been at the center directing and you have done an incredible job. So thank you for sharing the story today. Thank you for listening to Five Good Ideas with Rosemarie Powell. We link to the five good ideas, resources, and a full transcript of the session in our show notes. You can find all of our Five Good Ideas sessions from past seasons on the Matri website at matri.com forward slash five dash good dash ideas. And you can subscribe to the Five Good Ideas podcast to continue to listen to our best sessions. See you next time.